MBA admissions veteran, Dr. Chrissy St. John joined Accepted as an MBA and graduate admissions consultant in 2020. Today, I'm going to speak with her about MBA admissions and about master's in finance admissions. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 413th episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for joining me. We're going to talk to someone today who has spent 25 years in international graduate admissions and specifically MBA and master's in finance admissions. But before I get into the nitty-gritty with her, I want to invite you to confront and embrace the paradox that's at the heart of graduate management admissions. You have to show that you fit in at your target programs and are a standout in the applicant pool. Our free download, Fitting In and Standing Out, The Paradox at the Heart of Admissions, will show you how to do both. Master this paradox, and you are well on your way to acceptance. Download this free guide at accepted.com slash F-I-S-O. Again, that's accepted.com slash F-I-S-O for fitting in and standing out. Our guest today is no stranger to Accepted and Admission Straight Talk. She was a guest on our old, old chats as Associate Director of Admissions for Tuck. More recently, she was on Admission Straight Talk as Director of Vanderbilt Owens MBA Recruiting and Admissions, and most recently as an Accepted Grad School and MBA Admissions Consultant. Today, Dr. Chrissy St. John is going to share her expertise with you and me once again on this podcast. Christy, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you, Lynn. It's delightful to be here again. I'm, deli- I'm delighted to speak with you again. Now, I'm going to link to your previous podcast interview, which is at accepted.com slash 389 from our show notes today. And our show notes are at accepted.com slash 413. The previous show dealt with how you got into admissions and gave great general admissions advice and also advice for specific cohorts in the A applicant pool international applicants, veterans, CGSM applicants, and others. Again, listeners, you'll find that at accepted.com slash 389. Today, you and I are going to talk about other MBA topics and also masters in finance. Okay? Yes, perfect. All right. Now, you've been advising applicants as a consultant for about a year now, almost a year, maybe a little more than a year. Clients have really been responding to your constructive and supportive approach to guiding them. How has your perspective on the admissions process evolved since you moved to helping applicants more than evaluating applicants? And obviously, you still have to evaluate them in order to advise them, but your focus has shifted. It has. I think that I'm looking at their resumes and their essays much more critically uh, because I know what is going to be said and discussed on the other end of it. And while they may think they have wonderful essays that explain everything, sometimes they are too close to what they're writing about, uh, and the message is totally lost because they are leaving out important elements of it. And I think that has really helped me get people on the right track to making their essays as detailed yet still concise as possible so that their best qualities will show up. That's the name of the game. Let's just talk about the, the resume for a minute. What are some of the more common mistakes that you see or that you, that you are now correcting and that you saw as, a, as an admissions director? A lot of times, the candidates would just put down a job description, and that is not what, you're, what we're looking for. We're actually looking for results. 
um, showing that you have initiative, that you have actually had an impact, however small, on the organization you're working with. That's what the admissions committees are looking for. And in many, many cases, members of the career management staff will also be on the admissions committee. And you can believe that's what they're looking for because their job is to get you a job. And if you don't have the experience or the qualifications or any sort of leverageable skills that they can help you with, they are probably going to nix your acceptance uh, because they can't help you. And the whole point of your going to a school is to be helped to find a job. And so you need to be a bit more self-aware of what you know how to do and what you don't know how to do as well when you're coming up with your long and short-term goals. Okay, great. Thank you. That, that was excellent. Now, what about the essays? What, what are you looking for to improve before you were, you were finding it unwittingly and now you're looking to improve it in terms of the essays? Um, the first thing is to make sure they're actually answering the question that's asked because that is quite often the main issue. They're thinking, oh, well, I've already done it. This is similar to what I did for X school. I'm just going to cut and paste it and put it in here for Y school, and it'll be fine. Sometimes that might work, but for the most part, no. Each school knows what they want, and it's it should be obvious in the question, the way it's asked. And if you're answering something totally off the mark, you get points off for that. I always say, sometimes applicants ask me, what are they looking for? What are they looking for? I say they're looking for the answer to the question. Exactly. I mean, and there's no right or wrong answer, but there is an answer that makes sense to the question when it says, tell me about your short-term goals after the MBA. And you say, my short-term goal is to get an MBA. That's not after the MBA. No, that's not it. And you need to have reasonable goals. You cannot reform the entire education system or the healthcare system of the United States or any other country by yourself. So have realistic goals. Do they have to be a little bit ambitious too? I think so. Uh, I think it's always good. And, and that's another thing that admissions committees will look at. They'll look at your transcript, not just for the grades, but to see, did you take some classes that were quite challenging? Have you taken on responsibilities at work or outside of work that have challenged you and, and helped you grow? And that's okay. very important. And we don't want a list of extracurricular activities just to have a long list of things. We want to see that you've actually been involved and, and invested in the organizations you're working for. I do want to turn to the MIF, but before I turn to the MIF, I want to stay on the MBA for a couple of questions, okay? okay. Now, many applicants are about to resign themselves. They might still be waiting for round two uh, answers, but they will soon be resigning themselves to the fact that they may need to reapply. And actually, by the time this airs, they will have resigned themselves. What's your advice for MBA reapplicants? Sit back and look at your application with a very critical eye and find what you think is the weak part. And you're probably going to guess it. It could be that you have not expressed your goals in a realistic manner. It could be that your GMAT is just way short of the average, or it's right at the average. And with the overabundance of applications this year, being at average just doesn't cut it in some schools. Uh, It could be that you are talking about going into an industry that that school doesn't do. (laughs) So it's not the right school for you. And that's one of the things that you have to be really aware of when you're selecting your schools is they're going to they're going to give me what I need just because they're ranked number one two five ten or whatever 
uh, doesn't mean that they're going to be the best school for what your goals are. But there is a school out there that is right for you. And who should take advantage of the test waivers and who should take the test? Because increasingly, test waivers are available. They are. And um, I was just reading an article the other day that shows that your undergraduate GPA is not necessarily the best at forecasting how you will be doing in school, but the GMAT is. Really? If you have really high grades and you've gotten lots of quant classes, I don't think a school is going to think twice about waiving your test score or if you have an exceptional long amount of work experience. But if you have a lower than average GPA, you have not had any quant classes, you're really shooting yourself in the foot if you don't take the test because you need the extra oomph that the test will give you to be able to get in the school. Uh, because if you got a below average, you're not going to get in the top one of the top schools. It's even some of the lower ranked schools are picky about it because they don't want anybody to enter the program who's going to fail the first mm-hmm. semester. That's really depressing for everyone. And so study, get really good test guides, and and do pay for test prep with someone. I rec- recommend one of the regular test prep companies rather than a private tutor because sometimes private tutors may not know what the GMAT really is. But at any rate, do study for it and try to do the best you can. And if you can't do the the GMAT, then do the GRE at least. Show them that you have the ability to do the quantitative work. That's that's critical. So just so fundamental. I mean, you and you alluded to this next point a a minute ago, whether one is a first-time applicant applying this upcoming cycle or a reapplicant applying you're not going to have stats for this cycle out when you reapply, right? You're not going to know what the average GMAT or the average GPA is. You're not going to know the average amount of work experience. How should applicants kind of react or plan for the increased competition kind of implicit in the increase in applications that we're experiencing this year? It has been considerably more competitive. Again, the the number of applications has gone up from, I think, 41% to 67% or something like that. It's about about a 25, 26% increase in applications in two out of three schools. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, And so it doesn't matter where the school is in the whatever ranking, um, they've gotten more applications and they're being pickier. Again, look at your application with a very critical eye. Look at your essays. Are they really saying what you're thinking about? Does your resume actually show what you've done? Do you have enough leadership or extracurricular activities to make you a well-rounded human being? Do you have instances of initiative? There's so many things to look at. And if your grades are really low in quant classes, go out and sign up for something on Coursera or at your local community college. Do something to make your application improve. I mean, I remember once we had a candidate who applied four years in a row and didn't change a thing about her application. Not the essays, not her test scores, nothing. She she couldn't understand why she wasn't getting in. Yeah. She was so sweet. Happens. (laughs) All right. Now let's turn to the master's in finance. Um, What are some of the different kinds of master's in finance degrees out there? There are several different flavors. There are. And I was really surprised when I started looking into all this because some of them are 10 months or nine months. Some of them are 18 months. Um, there are a couple that have an internship track and at the same time have just an academic track. So you don't have an internship. Others will help prepare you for the CFA, which is pretty important, I think. 
Others, you will be sitting in on MBA classes. So that's going to give you a different network as well to, to speak to and a bit more of a challenge. I think that for the most part, though, the finance, MS finance programs are really focused on theory and technical skills as opposed to the MBA, which gives you a much larger view of business as you learn all the functional areas. And, and the finance is just focused only on finance and statistical modeling and things like that. So when you're looking at those programs, I would say find ones that maybe have a capstone project so that you actually apply what you're learning. Uh, this is always good to put on your resume to convince an employer that, oh, I've done this. I know how to do this. If you want to take the CFA, make sure your program is affiliated with the CFA so that it's preparing you to do that. Good point. Thank you. What careers do uh, Masters of Finance holders typically pursue? There are anything from investment banking um, to mostly financial analysts. They'll start out that way, financial planners. Some of them go into the stock trading area, commodities trading, corporate finance, obviously. They're not going to start out on the same level as an MBA, but they will catch up pretty fast uh, because the difference is that most the master finance programs, of course, do not always require work experience. Right. I think on a whole, the schools would like for you to have a couple of internships at least, but it is not required. Whereas with an MBA, you do need work experience. I think we have some part-time MBA programs also, but I think there, there are more part-time master's in finance programs, aren't there? I haven't noticed that many part-time ones. No? There are a lot of online ones. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a lot of online though. Right. What do you think applicants should look at when they're researching master's in finance programs? I mean, you mentioned for about the MBA that do they place people in the kinds of jobs that you're looking for, the industries that you're looking for? What about master's in finance? What should they look for there? That's what I tell all my clients. I said, the first thing you need to do is look at the career report. How many people are getting jobs and where are they going? Because that's in there. And if you don't see the companies that you're interested in on that report, there's probably a reason they don't recruit there. Then take after that, go look at the curriculum. What exactly are they doing in the curriculum? And then go start looking at other schools. <laughs> um, because you will just be terribly frustrated. And, and what's sad is that the students will end up taking it out on the career management office. Oh, that's terrible. They didn't find me a job. What's sad and, is that they spent all that money and time and they don't end up with what they want. It is. And, and the career people really try very, very hard. And, and they may, if you end up in a school that doesn't do what you think you want to do, the career people will, if they are ethical, and they all are, as far as I know, try to make you see the reality of life, <laughs> that you cannot just step into a VC job or a PE job if you have no finance experience at all. It's just not going to happen. And right. they will try to help you make parallel movements so that you will eventually get there, but it won't be the first thing you have coming out. That's why they're good at what they do. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, you know, showing people reality can be a very unpopular job, right? It is. I've always <laughs> felt badly for my colleagues in the career management office. <laughs> what kind of academic background should someone seeking the master's in finance have? Well, you know, I've been looking at the requirements for a lot of different programs this year. Some of them several master's in finance clients. Yes, year. I have, yes. And, and a lot of the programs say, oh, we don't have any requirements. But the truth of the matter is, if you've never seen accounting, if you've <laughs> never taken statistics or even algebra two, 
you're going to have a really rough time. So you need to get at least those accounting class, statistics class, Excel. You need to know Excel and um, um, algebra two minimum to be able to pass finance classes. And also, there are a lot of free courses online. Uh, I would suggest hop on a Coursera class and learn about Python. More, more and more schools are wanting to know if you've got these technical skills in Tableau and Python and, S, and SQL and SAS and SP. But if you can do those on your own or if you've got, if you're still in school and you can take those at school, do it. Um, they will enhance your resume for certain. And you'll also be able to get through your work a lot quicker if you know how to do it. Sure. And what about work experience outside the classroom? What are most master's in finance programs looking for? You mentioned internships. Yeah, most of them are designed for candidates coming right out of undergrad. Again, they would like for you to have a couple of internships so you've at least worked in an office atmosphere and know what finance really means. And they also do a number of, most programs will do treks or have companies visit and they will go over the different jobs that they're looking for so you get a better idea of it. But if you've actually worked, and even if it's only for a couple of months, it gives you a leg up in the recruiting process, as well as understanding why you're studying one particular thing in a class. Now, you mentioned a minute ago, we've talked about the MBA, we've talked about the MIF, and you mentioned that you know one of the distinctions between the MBA and MIF is that the MBA, you are expected to have significant work experience, the Master's of Finance, you're not. Also, the MBA is a, a broader degree. You're exploring multiple areas of business business functions. Master's of Finance is strictly finance. Are there any other significant differences? Not that I can think of. I mean, the salaries coming out will be slightly different. Even so, <laughs> higher. Well, I mean, higher for the MBAs and the MSFs. Okay. But uh, at the same time, any graduate business degree I believe an article I just read showed that it was about a 75% increase uh, from what someone with an undergrad degree coming in the same job would have. Mm-hmm. And okay, the salaries so. are quite good in that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because every so often you, we come across somebody who did the MIF and then they decide they still want the MBA. Mm-hmm. I guess they want to broaden their, their education and maybe get the different credential. Yeah. When do you think that's justified or a good idea? Well, I've been long a proponent for the MBA. I think it's the best degree that anyone can have. But I know at um, at Vanderbilt, if you went through the MSF program there, then you could come back in about a couple of years once you get some work experience again. And it would only take you three semesters to complete the MBA program rather than two years because you'd get credit for all the undergrad programs. But generally, that will only happen if you are attending the MBA at the same school you did the MSF. It is possible that they might give you some credit for classes, but most MBA programs do not accept transfer credit. Their way is the best. And if you haven't had your core courses with them, then you obviously haven't learned anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or they, they might say you don't have to take the fundamental courses. Mm-hmm. You can take elective courses in you know, finance. Yeah, exactly. Right. Much higher in that area. Right. Right. All right. What do you wish I would have asked you? The thing that I'm always curious about, I was actually just on the GMAC side a few minutes ago, is are the MSF, well, all the different specialized master's degree, are they cannibalizing the MBA? Okay, go for it. In a sense, they are. But in another sense, I know that the current generation 
wants to get through school and get out in the workplace as fast as they can. And so a lot of them don't don't see the need for going and getting work experience first. I'm ready to do this now. Let me in. And the master's, the specialized master's degrees, give them that. And a lot of times they are seriously only interested in doing data analytics or finance or marketing. They don't really care about the rest of it. And so why shouldn't they have that option? I think the MBA will always be there, but I think it's going to be a little bit different. And we may have, we may see people coming into the MBA classroom who do have specialized master's degrees. And they're going to be, they're going to give the people coming in without that probably a run for their money. It might be a little more competitive. Who knows? Yeah. They'll obviously they'll have certain skills that the others don't have. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, good, really good point. Thank you, Christy. This has been great. Thank you so much for joining me today. As always, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I always enjoy talking to you, whether we're online or off. Thank you again. Listener, thank you too for tuning in. You can learn more about Dr. Christy St. John on her bio page at Accepted. I'll link to it as well as to her contact me page from the show notes, accepted.com slash 413. If you'd like her to advise you individually, she is currently available to guide you, whether you're applying to master's in finance programs or MBA programs. Quick reminder, Master the Paradox at the Heart of Graduate Admissions by downloading our free guide, Fitting In and Standing Out, The Paradox at the Heart of Admissions. Grab your copy at exhibit.com slash F-I-S-O. Again, that's exhibit.com slash F-I-S-O for Fitting In and Standing Out, The Paradox at the Heart of Admissions. And a final request, if you find the show worthwhile, please share the good word by leaving a review on iTunes. Your doing so helps us spread the news about Admissions Straight Talk. Plus, leaving that review will enroll you effortlessly in the Thank You for Your Review contest. One listener a month who leaves a podcast review on Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes, will win a free 20-minute consultation with me. You can leave your review at lovethepodcast.com slash A-S-T. I look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye.